live from Mandalay Bay Sportsbook in Las Vegas, Nevada, site of the big game. It's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu. Oh, we had ourselves a very active NBA trade deadline today. Not necessarily big, big names getting moved, but I think some impactful moves that really made a lot of a made a difference for quite a few teams, guys. Yeah, I love this Knicks move. I love Boyan Bogdanovich. They needed a backup point guard as well. I was surprised that they didn't go after Jordan Clarkson, which was definitely in the rumor mill. Also, OKC not getting a big man, sort of surprising because, listen, Daniel Gafford was out there. Kyle Kuzma was available. Uh, You had a bunch of other big men. You know, you saw Xavier Tillman got moved to the Celtics as well, but they did nothing. They ended up getting Gordon Hayward instead. So that's, that's fascinating to me. If they would have got Kyle Kuzma, I probably would have bet them to win the championship, to win the finals. Really small, you know. I, I, I love some Kuz. Another score. Yeah. Kuz. another bucket getter, though. Who he can, can score, shoot the three, he too. He can shoot the three, and he can rebound a little bit. And so, yeah, I would actually love that pickup. Was he really on the – I didn't see anything with him. He was on the Kuzma? market? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The Wizards – It's just well, everybody always yeah. on the market? Well, yeah. the Wizards, have, obviously, I mean, they get rid of Gafford. They're trying to sell. That front office is trying to completely gut that thing and start from scratch. You mentioned the Knicks down 18-16 right now to the Mavs. Four and a half minutes to go in the first quarter there. Magic up 6-46-40 on the Spurs. And you got the Warriors up 58-56, 3.39 to go. All the way up. All the way up in that one. Love we bring us. on Keith Smith who I'm sure has had a very busy day. Spotrack, the, the uh, front NBA front office show as well. Uh, I I can imagine today was, as it was really with like every NBA trade deadline, there's keeping track of all the moves and then trying to figure out what moves actually made the most sense for what team. So let's look at who improved the most just today, in your opinion, when it comes to the deadline. I think it's probably the Knicks. I, I think. The, making that move made a lot of sense no matter what. But with the news that came out after that OG Ananobi is going to be out at least three weeks after elbow surgery, that makes that pickup of Bogdanovich that much more important. They're already without Julius Randle for at least probably two, three more weeks. So now you get Bogdanovich. He was going to be a nice fit as a backup forward. Now he'll be a really key player in their starting group. He's going to help Jalen Brunson quite a bit because he can still really score. He can do a lot of stuff with the ball. He's also very good off ball as well. So he'll fit in nicely when Randall returns. And then getting Alec Burks is, is not nothing. That's a nice pickup too. They gave up Quentin Grimes in, in the trade, a couple draft picks, but it, it's still a really good addition for them because Grimes had kind of fallen out of favor after some of the other moves. He wasn't playing as well in a backup role. He needs to be somewhere he can play a lot, so that'll be Detroit. And, and the Knicks got a lot, lot better today. I'm really kind of curious about what Detroit is doing because there were rumors that Boyan was you know, worth two first-round picks, and they said no. And now the Knicks, they don't even have to give up one first-round pick to get him and the backup point guard going back home to the New York Knicks. And, and they basically get rid of, you know, they turn a starter two rotation players into just one rotation player. Sort of stunning. Yeah, I think for Detroit, we've now seen that they are, they're resetting. They, they'd kind of taken the approach the last two years or so of, hey, we don't want to trade all our vets because we're trying to be good. We, we want to be a good team within the next year or so. And now I think they've uh, more leaned into, all right, hey, we're not going to bottom this thing out and completely start over. 
but we're going to lean into the kids a little bit more. And, and I think some of these moves were the idea behind, hey, let's let's get some younger guys in here. Uh, Samani Fontecchio, they picked up yesterday in a trade. He's going to help them because he can shoot the ball. Well, we'll see how they continue to fill out this roster. I think it's far from done, but getting a guy like Quentin Grimes is, is pretty good. They, they, they did some stuff that makes sense. They should have, by my calculations, about $60 million in cap space next summer, which should lead the league, um, which is absolutely massive. So they'll be able to do a lot of stuff and put themselves in a position to maybe take a Rockets like uh, step forward, like what the Rockets did this year. And then I, I think the uh, kind of underrated move a little bit was they waived Killian Hayes. And I, I equated that to the uh, money ball move of you can't play Pena. Uh, because that's that's kind of what, what was going on there. He's playing way too much uh, for a guy who just wasn't very good. Keith, what are your thoughts on the Pat Beverly to Milwaukee pickup, that trade? Uh, I thought Trista asked a good question in the first segment. Can you play him and Dame on the floor at the same time? Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. Did they even get along, right? Pat Bev came out immediately <laughs> after and said, I got to fix my relationship with Dame. So clearly that's a couple guys who have not gotten along. But that's like 85% of the league with Patrick Beverly at this point, I feel like. Yeah. I, I, I think you – you can probably play them together. Beverly's not the defender he once was. Uh, the challenge there is if the other team has any kind of size at the guard position, you may struggle a little bit. I liked campaign for them. I thought he was doing a pretty good job uh, for the uh, uh, Bucks as the backup to, to Damian Lillard, but they decided they wanted to get more defense in there, and that's something where they've really been struggling. This is a guy Doc Rivers knows quite well and Patrick Beverly, so he, he gets him uh, back on the floor uh, with him for another run here, and they're, they're trying to do their best, they think, to gear up and go after it. And then they did a tax-saving uh, move by uh, salary dumping Robin Lopez, who had the tweet of the day of how much he's always going to cherish his 45 minutes or whatever it was that he was on the roster with Patrick Beverly. Do you think that we're going to start to see fewer teams be aggressive at deadlines given the new CBA and the salary cap and what we're talking about, you know, the first apron, the second apron, and all the restrictions that that now brings to teams that are up against those? I think the second apron teams are going to be less aggressive just because they, they won't have the ability to add salary in, in trades. They'll be in a really tough spot uh, with that. So I think that's part of what the idea was uh, when we introduced these second apron rules. They won't be able to just jump in there and add all kinds of guys and do the stuff we've seen some of these teams do in the past. I think the bigger challenge is uh, Bobby Marks from ESPN has repeated this a handful of times over the last couple of weeks. 11 teams, so roughly a third of the league, control 75% of the future draft picks. So there's just not a lot to trade. Like We're in a really uh, tricky spot with draft picks. So, so that's a major, major challenge. And I think that's going to kind of keep the trade market maybe potentially a little limited. We've already heard a handful of teams, the Los Angeles Lakers being one of them, who – maybe didn't make a move because they'll have more draft capital to trade in the summertime. And maybe that's when they'll make their big move. So we're, we're in just a weird spot. I'm you talk about draft picks. Nobody has more draft picks than the OKC thunder could have been a time for them to maybe get a, a backup big or just a big in general to pair with Chet Holmgren. There was Daniel Gafford out there. There was Xavier Tillman out there. And instead they go to the direction to get Gordon Hayward, who's coming off of injury. I like the Gordon Hayward pickup, but I feel like they could have made a move to, increase their front court size 
Yeah, I've been kind of beating that drum for a little while of getting somebody who I thought it was really important to get a guy that could play with Chet as well as back him up. Like, I, I thought a really reasonable target for them would have been John Collins had the Jazz wanted to move him because I think he would have made a lot of sense in Oklahoma City. The, the thing, though, that what I got told is the Thunder like playing with one big on the floor, and they like the way they can spread teams out and attack off the dribble and have a bunch of different guys who can do stuff. And if you look at it that way, Gordon Hayward makes a lot of sense for them. Now, the question is going to be, will Gordon Hayward be healthy enough to get on the floor? Um, but if you're the Thunder, it's kind of a no-risk kind of kind of thing because they're in a spot where it was, all right, we're, we're, we could take a chance. We, we traded one kind of rotation guy in Vasily Misic in this deal, and, and that was really it. So why not take a chance on Gordon Hayward, see if he's a good fit here, and move it forward. So they're, they're, they're pretty well loaded, even if they didn't get another big. They, Gordon Hayward helps them with the three-point shooting. How do you think that this team matches up, though, in the West with, say, a team like Denver or a team like the Timberwolves, where they've got a lot of size and a lot of uh, you know front court support? Yeah, I think with the Timberwolves, what they would say is, how do the Timberwolves match up with us? Who Who is Cat going to guard in, in this matchup? Can he stay with a guy like Jalen Williams off the dribble? Now, what I think teams were going to do in the playoffs, we saw Boston do this to them in their regular season matchup. They'd put the big on Josh Giddy and like Giddy shoot. And if Josh Giddy beats you shooting the ball, you tip your cap and you move on. I think so now getting Hayward, he comes in if Giddy, if that's the treatment he's getting. And you're in a little bit of a different place. With Denver, that was always going to be a tough matchup. It's it's really hard to match up with the Nuggets. I think what you do is you try to be the best version of yourselves, force them to play you a little bit and do what you can. And I think Oklahoma City is also being very realistic and saying, hey, we're probably a year ahead of where we should be right now. So we, we need to be very smart about how we handle this going forward. I think we're kind of in almost a, a two-year window for them to do big things. So I would extend that out to this summer and through next trade deadline before you have to start extending other guys and the team starts getting really expensive. After the trade deadline today, who do you feel is uh, the best team in the league? Is it still Boston, the most complete team? I think so. I, I think they've kind of got everything you need. They've got really good functional depth. They've got six, seven, eight guys they feel really good about. They, they're not going to overwhelm you when they go to their 11th, 12th guys, but you don't need those guys in the postseason. So as long as they get there healthy and the fact that they've built such a big lead, they're, they're up five games in the East going into tonight, and they have the second easiest schedule the rest of the way. That should afford them the ability to kind of rest guys, spot them rest, because their big thing is going to be they need to get to April, May, June as healthy and rested as possible, especially with guys like Chris Apps, Porzingis, and Al Horford, who are really uh, important players, Drew Holiday, an older player. They want to make sure those guys are ready to go. And, and I think by building this big lead and having such an easy schedule, that gives them a place to really uh, push forward with um, – uh, uh, you know, team that should be really, really solid, and they're, they're, they've they've kind of got what they need. It's, but the big thing is, it's now or never for for this team. It's yeah. we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's time to break through and finish the job. That is that is something Ryan has talked about so many times, Keith, because this guy has bet the uh, Celtics more times I think than he wants to count at this point, winning a title. Yeah. Hey, what about the other side of things in the Western Conference here? I mean, we got the Warriors two games under five hundred. Lakers are the nine seed right now. They're two games over five hundred, but both. You know, really underachieving, and clearly expectations are title or bust for the Lakers. And even though the Warriors have, you know, become an older team, they're still thinking something along the lines of a title. 
Are, are these teams that are really in dangerous of are in danger of missing the playoffs now? Yeah, I think the Warriors are, especially because they've still got to jump in uh, to the play and mix. And we'll see with the Lakers. The scary thing for the Lakers is they're sitting where they're sitting. They've had LeBron and AD almost all year. So that's the the one worry with them is if those guys pick up the injuries that they tend to pick up, they could be in trouble. And I think that was part of why the Lakers and Warriors did not go all in on trades at this trade deadline. I think they both looked at it and said, you know what, there's nothing out there that's going to be a slam dunk guarantee we push forward in the postseason. So why are we going to do it right now? Maybe we're better off holding off a little bit, see what we got in, in moving forward that way. What about the uh, Sixers? Because they obviously needed shooting. Buddy Hill's been wanting to go to Philadelphia for a while. And Bede News looks like it's going to be at least a month, maybe six weeks. Uh, do you think that helps them tread water? until MB gets back and when he gets healthy say right before the postseason like where do you put the Sixers now in the East yeah Trista I've seen your jump shot they've got a lot of open roster spots you might want to <laughs> give Daryl Morey a call right now because they're I, I don't even know who's still left on that team especially healthy players like they did a lot of stuff today with moving guys on and off the roster but Buddy Hill's going to help a lot I think while Embiid is out they're going to play really fast with Tyrese Maxey. Heald's already used to that. That's what he's been doing in Indiana all along. So I think they're going to really, really go uh, and run. And then I think when Embiid gets back, Heald's fine with them too. Their question is going to be, do they have enough depth to get through? They didn't do anything to get a big uh, in there. I thought, you know, maybe Andre Drummond might go there or something like that. But but they they kind of you know ran it forward with Heald and didn't do a whole lot else. They're going to be major players on the buyout market. And I think they'll be in on just about any any uh, reasonable name that comes free because they've got open roster spots. They've got play play playing time, which is big for those guys on a team that if MB gets back, they're a title contender. Got about 90 seconds, Keith. The bell of the ball was obviously DeJounte Murray. He does not get moved. Do the Hawks want him for good, or is this just like a couldn't get a deal done thing? Yeah, what I was told shortly after the trade deadline is that they got close on some stuff. It was just too hard with roster constraints and without a cap space team to maybe move some other money to. So I think what you're going to see is the Hawks and maybe the Pelicans, maybe the Lakers, a couple teams that they were really engaged deeply on talks with, look for them to re-engage with those teams in the summertime when it's just that much easier because you have the expanded rosters, you have cap space teams that maybe can eat a contract that Atlanta didn't want to take back. It's just a lot easier to make trades then. So I don't know that uh, DeJounte Murray is a long-term Hawk, but I think for now it's they're going to keep him and they're going to see what they can do and try, try to be a dangerous team in the play-in tournament. Keith, I know you had a busy day. Really appreciate Thanks, you coming man. on with us, giving Keith. us the time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. There he goes, Keith Smith. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it doesn't always have to be big stars necessarily that are moved. I think we, we've seen some very impactful trades today. And, you know, Keith brings up a great point. The Knicks with all the injuries there, too. Boyan Bogdanovich goes from a backup now to a starter for them for a while. And that's a that's a hell of a position for them to be in. Yeah, it is. Not, not bad at all. Rob Brown going to join us live. We'll hear about Chicken nuggets, that's for sure. It's better GM tonight.